Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Hello, thank you for tuning in today. It's a great day to be with you, and um, I just know that God is doing some great things in the earth, and it might look dark, it might look uh, it might look like there's not a lot happening, it might look like the enemy is winning in certain things, in certain areas, but we know that the Bible lets us know that if God is for us, who can be against us? And if we are on God's side, we always come out on top. And so this is uh, an exciting time. This is a blessed time to be alive and be serving the Lord. And we've got an opportunity um, to just minister to people right now. We've got an opportunity to pour out to people. And um, this is uh, just an amazing season that we're in of transition um, transition in the natural, of course, but I believe a transition is taking place in the spirit as well. And, um, anytime there's transition, if you're, it feels like things are going on around you that you can't control. And it feels like things are taking place that you have, uh, no idea what's going on. It feels like everything is just chaos. Uh, like you had uh, a stack of papers and everything was organized and everything was all lined up and everything was in alphabetical order and something happened. A wind came along and just blew all those papers out of your hand and up in the air and they're just everywhere right now. That's kind of what uh, it feels like for a lot of people that they had everything organized and everything figured out and now um, everything is just haywire and everything is out of control. Um, but in those seasons, when that takes place, when it feels like your life is just spun out of control and uh, the the government is spun out of control and the church is spun out of control and your job is spun out of control and if you have kids that are going to school, that's out of control. In those seasons, when it feels like that, that is an indicator that you are in a season of transition and we as a nation and we as the world are in a season of transition and what that transition is, I can't exactly put my finger on it. I wouldn't even begin to pretend to tell you that I know what that is. Um, but I do know, I do know this, that God is our Lord. He's our King. Um, that Jesus is still on the throne, that nothing has changed Absolutely nothing has changed with the word of God. Nothing has changed with God's will towards you. Nothing has changed with God's promises towards you. Nothing has changed with God's covenant towards you. And so you do not have to worry and you don't have to fear right now. What we're doing, what we're experiencing is a season of change and transition. And uh, just know that these seasons will come in life. It's part of life. Life is a series of transitions. It's a series of uh, shifts. And uh, we have to transition to grow. We have to transition to see revival. We have to transition uh, in a lot of areas uh, in order for our lives to become everything that God wants it to be. And so don't despair. Don't be afraid right now because God is doing some great things in the earth and he's setting us up for the future, what it is that he wants for us. So don't worry. Don't be afraid because he's doing some things behind the scenes right now that you absolutely 
cannot see. And he's shifting some things that um, maybe are are uncomfortable in your life right now. But he's working everything together for good. And he's going to bring everybody out on the other side of this. All his believers, all the people who are on his side. He's going to bring all of us out on the other side of this. I truly believe it for the better. We're going to be better for it. And our situations are going to be better. What does that mean? I have no clue. I have no clue uh, what God has in store, what God has in mind, but I'm not going to pretend that I do know uh, either or um, try to say everything is doom and gloom because I don't see that for God's people in the Bible. There's not one, one spot in God's Bible, one spot in the Holy Word of God where God's people suffered and were just completely extinguished or destroyed because uh, of something that that happened. God always has a remnant people. And if you're clinging to God, if you're holding on to him, he's going to make sure to bring you through to the end. Whatever that means, however it means, he's going to do that. So I wanted to encourage you today um, in the difficulties and the times that we're living in that um, you need to just hang on. Don't give up hope. Don't believe everything the naysayers are saying. Don't believe everything the liars are saying, the scoffers are saying, because it's all over right now. Uh, Everybody's just all over the place saying whatever they feel, however they feel. But if you look at the word of God and look at the precedent that God has set in his word, he has never left his people. He has never forsaken his people. You need to remember that because we are in this season of uh, it's different. Yeah. It's different. We're doing things differently than we've ever done before. We're um, having to figure things out a little bit more different. Um, uh, We're having to look at different ways of having things, having what we normally would have. We're looking at different ways of having school and different ways of having church and different ways of doing all sorts of things. And it's it's uncomfortable. It really is for a lot of people because if you're like me, you like to have a preset plan and you like to go about that plan um, and not have a bunch of roadblocks in the way. You don't like to make waves and you don't have like to have waves come your way, but that's where we're at as a society and as and everybody in the entire world is going through it. We're all going through it a little differently. Um, we're not in the same boats but we're on the same ocean. I'll say it that way. Everybody's got a little bit different uh, situation, but we're all on the same ocean and it's rocking everybody's boat right now. So um, hang on tight because I believe that God is about to do something great in your life and in the earth. And that's not what I even came on here to talk to you about today, but I wanted to open up with that because I know that we're headed towards the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, a lot of the time where people are normally able to um, get together as families and things are different this year. Uh, people are having different kinds of gatherings and uh, some of the big events that we would normally do or go to are not taking place. And I understand that. I understand that it's different uh, this year, but just hold on. Just hold on and watch what God does because uh, the best days for the Christian are out ahead of us. Um, and even if we're persecuted, even if we're uh, jailed, even if we're whatever, you know, whatever is out in front of us. God is with us. God is going to carry us through it. And God is going to move on our behalf. And we're going to see great things. Great things. So I don't want to go down that bunny trail any further. I actually came today to talk to you about Luke chapter 7. 
um, and I want to do that here briefly. Um, Luke chapter 7 talks about a sinful woman who was forgiven, a sinful woman who was forgiven, and um, word had gotten out at this point about Jesus, about the miracles that he had done, about all the things that the mighty wonders that he had done. And uh, what God had sent him to do and word had spread all over the place that he was healing people, that he was setting people free, that he was delivering people of demons, that all sorts of great things were happening because he was the son of God. And uh, some people didn't know it. Some people just looked at him as a prophet. Some people just looked at him as a miracle worker, but the word had gotten out. And one of the great things that word had gotten out about was that he was telling people their sins were forgiven. He had been telling people, your sins are forgiven, be made whole. Your sins are forgiven, be healed, go and sin no more. And you see that time and time again in the gospels where Jesus would touch someone and their lives would be radically changed. And he would say, your sins are forgiven you. Your faith has made you whole. And this woman, I'm sure, had heard that Jesus was telling people, your sins are forgiven you. And so the Bible lets us know, starting in verse 36, it says this, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down for supper. There, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was sitting for supper in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. This is a beautiful picture. This woman heard that Jesus was at the house of this Pharisee. She had a jar of ointment that she had saved up. And this jar of ointment would have been something very expensive. It would have been something that uh, was costly. And she had this jar of ointment at her house. So she had prepared it for something, for some reason. A lot of time ointment was used in burial. And this story, this particular narrative uh, doesn't go down into that. Uh, But she was aware that Jesus was at this Pharisee's house. And she went and got this jar of ointment that she had saved up for, that she had prepared. And she went to the Pharisee's house with the ointment. It says she brought an alabaster jar of ointment and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would kn- he would have known who and what that kind of woman, what kind of woman she is, who is touching him, for she's a sinner. If he knew what kind of woman this is, if he knew who that was that was touching him, he would never, ever let her do that. Because she's a sinner. Because she's a sinner. And if you look here, you see that she came in with this jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet. And she started to cry. Before anyone ever said anything to her. 
Before anyone ever spoke a word, before anyone acknowledged that she was there, she began to weep. And she got down and she began to wipe his feet with the oil and with her tears. And she began to wipe them dry then with her hair. And the Pharisee looked at her and said, and thought to himself, if Jesus would have known, if Jesus knew who this woman was, if he knew who was touching him right now. And you see, this is the mentality of a lot of the church. If Jesus knew who this was, we see someone come into the church and we know their past. We know what they have gone through. We know uh, what they've been bound up in. If you're from small town, rural America, like we are here where I'm from, uh, even the, the nearby city is not very big and news spreads around fast. And with social media now, the news spreads quicker than ever about things. And this lady's business, I'll say, was all around town. Everybody knew who she was. She was a woman of the city, the Bible says, and everybody knew what she had done. Everybody understood where she had come from. And this Pharisee thought, if Jesus only knew what kind of filthy sinner woman this woman was, if Jesus only knew, if he was a real prophet, he surely would know. And the Bible goes on to say that Jesus answered him. So Jesus didn't even hear the man speak it out of his mouth. <laughs> Jesus didn't even hear this man speak it out of his mouth. Jesus read this man's heart. Jesus heard his innermost thoughts. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. A creditor has two debtors. The one owed 500 denarii. And the other 50 when they had no money to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose he whom he forgave more. He said to him, you've judged rightly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman, since I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at supper with him began to say to themselves, who is he who even forgives sins? He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman, who was a sinner woman, this woman who had all of her sins laid bare in front of everyone in the community, bowed down at Jesus' feet and began to wash his feet with her tears, wash his feet with the oil and dry his feet with her hair. She must have understood that Jesus was the one who was going around saying, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. 
And this message probably isn't for the one who thinks that they have it all together. This message probably isn't for the one who thinks that their sins are okay to do or that uh, they have conquered all sin and that they're beyond sinning, beyond messing up. This message is for the ones who understand the weight of their sin. They understand what it is that they have done. This message is for the ones who have understood the severity, the filthiness of their sin, and they hate it. They've hated it for a long time. They've been exposed that someone has found out something about them or has shared about their past and they've wondered if they're ever going to be able to make it out of the cloud of everyone just looking at them like they did at this sinner woman and saying, if you only knew Jesus, if you only knew. And we sometimes become our own Pharisees. Uh, we become the ones who point the finger at ourselves and say there's absolutely no way that Jesus could love you for what you've done. There's absolutely no way uh, that Jesus could care about you. There's no way, knowing what you've done, knowing that you have committed this sin or that you failed or you messed up in that area, you stumbled and fell in a certain area and you just couldn't get back out of it for a while or you are still bound up in certain chains. And Jesus, like he looked at the... Pharisee, like he looked at Simon, he said, who has been forgiven much will love much. And many of us have been fearful of coming to the feet of Jesus and pouring out our alabaster box. You know, I've heard messages and preached messages about the alabaster box symbolizing worship and being the worship of Jesus. And absolutely, I do uh, feel that way, and I do believe that way. And we've sang songs about it, and we've we've uh, made entire uh, messages and conferences and everything else about it. But what if the alabaster box was a box full of her sin? And what if the alabaster box, instead of being worship, was sin that in in a way, had been stored up for years. And what if that alabaster box was all her regrets that had been stored up for years? Yes, she had saved up and put oil in that box and had been preparing it, hiding it away in the alabaster box, maybe thinking that no one knew about it, and it was just her little secret. It was something that she had, and she, over the years, had just put more and more and more into it, stored up and stored up, just like sin, layers and layers and layers. And over the years, she had stored up all these sins, all this pain and all this hurt. And a lot of us have, in some ways, probably felt like her. There's no way that Jesus could possibly love you. There's no way... Jesus could possibly want you in his presence. There's no way that Jesus could possibly care. He died for everyone else. How could he have possibly died for me, knowing everything that I've done? And I've got news for you today, because just like Jesus looked at Simon and said, 
I know everything she's done. And Jesus is looking at you saying the very same thing today. I know everything. I know everything. And I still love you. I know everything. And I still care. I know everything. And I still died for you. I know everything. And I still want you near me. I know everything. I still want you to reach out and touch me. I know everything. And a lot of us are waiting for God with a big hammer or a lightning bolt. That if we bend down with our alabaster box, our box of sin, our box of secrets that we've kept from everybody. If we bow down with that box and we begin to pour it out at his feet and let it there. We think that he's going to just hit us with something. We think he's going to zap us with something. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because he wants you to bring it. He wants you to bring it. He wants you to bring everything. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you've just been in worship or you've gotten to an altar and you've poured everything out, poured out your heart, everything you've kept hidden in the, in the alabaster box of your heart out to him because he doesn't want just your worship. He doesn't just want your worship. He doesn't just want your praise. He doesn't just want your dance and your shout. He doesn't just want uh, the parts of you that, are churchy or that have been schooled in how to have services. He doesn't just want those parts. He doesn't just want the good parts. He wants the ugly parts, the parts that you don't want anybody else to know about. He wants the sad parts. He wants the parts you wish had not happened. He wants the parts that are painful He wants the parts that hurt. He wants the parts that you wish you could never go through. He wants the parts that you wish you'd made different decisions. He wants those parts, too. He doesn't just want the good parts of your life. He doesn't just rejoice in the fact that you do good things or that you come to church and raise your hands and sing songs. He doesn't just rejoice when you witness to someone or when you have a special moment with him or when you, you're praying and reading your Bible like you should or fasting, he doesn't just rejoice in those parts. He rejoices also when a sinner pours it out at his feet and says, I'm unclean, I'm undone, and I know that there's no way that I could ever deserve your grace and your mercy. But I thank you. I thank you for giving it to me. He rejoices in that too. The Bible says heaven has a party. The angels rejoice when one sinner comes home. And so that tells me that it makes God happy. When we go to him with our struggle, it makes God happy when we go to God with our pain and our past. It makes God happy. Not that we went through it and not that it happened, but when we take it to him 
And we break that alabaster jar over his feet. And even though somebody might look at us, and even though we might look at ourselves and say, if we, if Jesus only knew what was, what I had done, what had happened in my life, if Jesus only knew the things that I had participated in, and I'm here today to tell you, he already knows. He already knows. Just like Simon thought, if he was really a prophet, oh, he is a prophet. He already knows. He's, he was there. He was there when it happened. He was there. He saw it all, and he doesn't love you any less. He saw it all, and there's no way he could love you any less or care for you any less. He's aware. He's well aware. And so if he's aware and he knows, then the only thing that's holding us back from letting everything go at his feet is the worry and the thoughts down inside of ourselves and the things that the devil tries to put on us and accuse us of and remind us of. The things that are holding us back are not him. He says, come unto me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden. Come unto me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, come to me with all the mess. Come to me with all the pain. Come to me with everything that's hurting you, every bit of your past. Come to me. Come to me if you're bound up right now, whatever it is that you're participating in right now. You don't have to go clean yourself up. Come to me just as you are, sinner woman, sinner man. Come off of the streets. Come out of the city and come to me. Bring that box with you. Bring that box of fear. Bring that box of pain. Bring that box of sin. Bring that box of your past. Bring it all and break it over my feet. Let it there because I'm not going to reach down with some sort of a club and hit you. I'm going to bring you to your feet. and I'm going to say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And in the magnitude of the amount of sins that we've committed as a people, as humans, the things that you've done that you'll never tell anyone in the world about that only God knows about and he does know about them. In the magnitude of that, he still looks at you with the most loving caring eyes and says it's okay it's okay I'll take the sins I'll take the shame I'll take the guilt I'll take the pain and you don't have to carry it anymore see what happens when we come into the presence of an almighty God with a repentant heart when we come into the presence of Jesus with a repentant heart and lay it all down is he changes our identity. We're not who we were anymore. We're someone brand new because we belong to him. And so that woman walked into that room, a woman of the city, a sinner woman, and walked back out a blood-bought child of God. And though Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, he was about to, and she had believed on him enough that he could forgive her sins. And he did it. And he did it. She had faith in him. And that's what we need to do. We need to not hold back. We need to not be afraid. We need to not be scared. We need to go to Jesus. And if you're anything like me, 
there have been times when you have just totally buckled down under the weight of your own sin. You have thought about everything that you've done in your past and everything that you've uh, dealt with, all the struggles, all the things that you've dealt with, and you feel like maybe he would not want anything to do with you. Maybe he didn't want to give you a second chance. Maybe he wouldn't want to be associated with you. Maybe he was done with you. I can tell you today that he knew what you would do before you were ever born. He knew what you would face, the things that you would deal with when he was dying on the cross. That's why he did it. And so today, don't feel like God is going to just put the hammer down on you, put some sort of a uh, lightning bolt down on you. If you go to him with everything that you've done, he already knows and he paid the price. He loves you that much that he doesn't care what you've done. If you go to him, he will forgive you. He will take that burden away. And uh, I encourage you today to do that. I encourage you today to just go to him with everything and give it all to him. You know, I've been on this subject now for what seems like probably a month or so, just the the weight of our sin, the weight of our guilt and our shame, and I feel like it's for someone who's listening. And so um, as God leads, I'm going to slowly shift into another subject, I'm sure, but uh, this has been definitely a blessing to just be able to share with you different uh, messages where, you know, God's heart is revealed towards us and God's heart towards sin is one thing. And he definitely disapproves of sin. He definitely does not condone sin and say it's all right to go on doing it. But for those of us who have felt, um, like our sin is so great that it just bears down on us. God is willing and he's able to forgive. And that's his heart towards you. That's his heart towards you. I encourage you. There is a book uh, by a man named Brennan Manning, and he's he was just a fantastic author. Uh, any of his books are good. I've read many of them. But um, there's a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, and uh, it is probably one of the best books that I've read as it pertains to uh, just our guilt and the weight of our sin. And, um, he has, he's since passed on. He's no longer with us, but he's an excellent author and the ragamuffin gospel. If you're dealing with this type of thing, it will definitely help you. And I encourage you to read it. There are some things in there that I don't want a hundred percent, uh, agree with, but the whole, uh, subject of the book, I definitely agree with God's love towards us and, um, and his, his just his mercy and his grace towards those who have been feeling heavy over what they've done in their past or what you're what you're dealing with now. You know, we never really get to a point where we're not dealing with anything, where we're in this sinless perfection. We never really get to that point, um, but we can strive, and that is our goal as people who love the Lord to strive not to do anything that would damage our relationship with the Lord. But when we do. The Bible tells us that we have an advocate 
and we have someone who is willing to forgive us and love us. So uh, if you're interested in more on this type of subject, check out that book, uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. We're all just basically misfits and ragamuffins. Nobody has it all together, even though they may look like it. Uh, we don't all have it all together. So I want to pray today for anyone who says, you know what? I need the Lord in my life. I've not ever given my life to the Lord or I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Maybe you want a fresh start. And so I'm going to pray a prayer today. It's just called the sinner's prayer. And if you'd like to pray that prayer, repeat it after me and mean it in your heart. Just say, father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe he's your son that he died on the cross and that he rose again. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood that he shed on Calvary. Fill me with your Holy Ghost and help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you've committed your life to him in that prayer or you have rededicated your life, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message and um, I will be sure to touch base and reach out to you. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. For anyone who's dealing with uh, just feeling like that sinner woman or a sinner man today, uh, know that God's love and his mercy are so great towards you. And um, he is not going to walk away from you. He's not going to let you go. If you run towards him, just give him, just keep going back to him. Go back to him with all your heart. I'm not saying go out and sin and do whatever you want to and live blatantly in sin, but for the ones who feel like they just cannot break free or for the ones who are so heavy laden with their past, he loves you so much. He does. He really does. Father God, today I pray over the one that's hurting over their past, the one who's been dealing with just feeling like you're distant or feeling like if they go to you, they will just be totally destroyed, that you're going to push them away, that you're going to judge them on the spot, that you're going to walk away from them and not want anything to do with them. God, I know one thing, you never reject anyone who comes to you with a broken and contrite heart. So God, today, as they do that, as they reach out to you, I thank you, Lord, for letting them know their place in you, for letting them know, God, that they are not an outcast, that they are not a reject, God, but they are your child, and God, that you love them so very much. So Lord, I thank you for speaking to them. I thank you for wrapping your arms around them. I thank you for forgiving them and making them whole, God, and wiping away the past, wiping away the old identity. God, the Bible lets us know that the old man has passed away and all things have become new. So today, I pray that you would reassure them of that. Let them know that they are a new creation and God, they are not what they used to be. God, I thank you for causing people to rise up in boldness. That's what the enemy wants us to do is stay pressured down, to stay so heavy with everything that we've done that we refuse to rise up in boldness, God, and we refuse to speak your word and tell other people about the saving, healing, and delivering power of Jesus Christ. And so, God, right now, I pray that you would move on them, God. Give them boldness, a holy boldness to be able to speak out on your behalf and God give the devil a black eye for everything he's kept them under. Lord, I pray peace over minds today. I plead the blood of Jesus down over homes and families. And God, I thank you for 
being here with us on this podcast today, wherever people are listening, whenever they're listening. God, I trust that you've invaded their space today and God's spoken something to their hearts. We love you today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today, friends, family, loved ones, wherever you're at, all over the United States or around the world. God loves you today. I love you today. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.